0: Today, we embark on a fantastic adventure, and we will be meeting our heroes
1: who will go on this quest. Blood and betrayal awaits. I am Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. Roleplay Chat
0: is a channel and medium where the two of us share our opinions and our views on the different aspects of the tabletop role-playing hobby. And essentially, we're doing this to better ourselves as Game Masters along with our audience.
1: Today, we start our campaign diary uh, for Blood and Betrayal, what we call Blood and Betrayal. And uh, we're gonna meet our heroes, part one.
0: And before we really dig into who these heroes are, I think it might be important for us to give you guys a little bit of basic context of the systems we're using and the, the kind of thematics of, of what we're doing in our real play of Warhammer, the role-playing game.
1: Exactly. So we're using the lore of Warhammer, uh, the one from fantasy, uh, from Game Workshop, from the fantasy roleplay. Uh, that you can. There's different edition of. Uh, there's four edition in total. Mm-hmm. But we're actually using a different system. We're using a homebrew system that's a Fate um, Core. The, the name of the system is called Fate Core, but heavily modified. Uh, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on the mechanics or anything. But just so you know. And the
0: Warhammer universe, for those of you who might not know much about it, um, is a fantasy setting, but extremely low fantasy. Very grim, very dark. Um, It's almost set in like a mix between industrial and medieval times. You know, guns exist. Mm -hmm. There's uh, steam engines, I think. Yeah. This kind of stuff. It's rare, but... Rare, but but it exists. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also some magic, but it's also...
1: for the most part rare very regulated Mm -hmm. it's um it needs to be controlled by the empire otherwise you're considered to be a witch and even then sometimes so uh it's dangerous to show your your power so that's why it's kind of low fantasy um in terms of
0: the races and the kinds of i guess classes that exist in the warhammer universe it's pretty different from from what some of us might be used to in Dungeons & Dragons, for instance. But there are some analogs that are yep. pretty similar. You know, there are wizards, there are the, th- the thief archetypes, there are rogue-type characters, cleric-type characters.
1: Yes, there's also really... I think the main difference is when you're playing in Warhammer, you might start um, something that's not considered... A- Heroic something like a rat catcher or a peasant or something like that technically you could start as this in uh, Dungeons and Dragons, but In in Warhammer you your character is not considered special until he proves it himself or herself mm-hmm. I feel like in Dungeons and Dragons you start knowing you're gonna be a hero. Am I? It, it depends on your yeah. campaign,
0: That's true, but That's true. in this campaign, I guess regardless of setting that that's not entirely the case but our heroes still prove to be worthy yes uh worthy of being called heroes yeah uh, but i think before we go too much more into the who these heroes are we should continue talking about specifically the world that you created
1: Chris. yeah i'm, I'm the game master in that campaign uh we might do other campaign diaries that i'm not gonna be a game master but for blood and betrayal i'm the gm and i'm i'm one of the players yes i guess we should mention that. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so in terms of the campaign i must uh, say that i started using a, a pre-made adventure um at the beginning it's pretty close to the source material and i get further and further away depending on what the characters do i am not tied to the adventure at all i just use it for reference there's a a lot of it that i removed but at the beginning if you've run uh i think it's through the drakwald um the main uh, adventure in the second edition you'll notice a lot uh, of similarities
0: and we can link that at the bottom if if uh yeah for those of you who might be interested or you can you can engage with us and we can help you find that content it's it was a neat setting for sure
1: mm-hmm. um so we start in the middle land, that's kind of the province, in a region really close to Middenheim, which is one of the, the biggest city of the Empire. The Empire being uh, basically the human world. There's other human region, like Britonia and stuff like that, but that's the main region where usually all games start. Mm-hmm.
0: It's, it's kind of analogous to what, the UK or, or, or Europe? Yeah. Would, sort of. You know, they're, it's got its sure, geographic similarities in, mm-hmm. as well, in terms of climate. It's kind of like like northern France, maybe Germany. Mm-hmm. Kind of these not cold, but can be colder climates. Like humid, snow. In the winter times, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of what was happening in... In, in our adventure, essentially, we found ourselves in this scenario where there was kind of the tail end of this large war, yep. right? There was these hordes of chaos that attacked that, that attacked
1: Middleland, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, the Middleland. Well, the, the whole empire, but basically coming from the north, mm-hmm. it's one of the first... Well, not the first one, but it's, it's still pretty north, so the, the chaos invasion comes from the North Pole, basically. So uh, that's when, that's where it's it got stopped. Basically, that's where the the humans stopped the incursions, and that's where we meet our heroes. So even though the incursion was stopped, uh, the war still rages on in different regions uh, around the big cities. So there was a huge attack on Middenheim that was stopped, um, which we'll re- we'll visit in the future campaign diaries. But um, it was. The, the, the army was stopped, but it spreaded in the forest and everywhere, and basically the army has left Middenheim and Middleland, and most of the leaders are actually still at war in other regions. And that's why the heroes will find themselves relying on the, on the group and not uh, some big heroic figure that's in, in Middenheim.
0: And in addition to all of this, I, I think it's important to flag that despite the war being over, danger lurks, in every corner. You know, chaos, beasts, evil creatures continue to roam Middleland, the streets are not safe, the country, forests, dark spaces are not a safe place to go. Um, So this is kind of the environment that our heroes find themselves in at the very beginning. Uh, Before we continue this trail, I, I think Chris and I agree that it's important for you as our listeners to Get a glimpse into who these heroes are, uh, their personalities, and their quirks, motivations, yeah. <laughs> and, and their creation. Um, so I think we'll, we'll start off with, with my hero. Yeah. I mean, it would, it would make sense. It's... I know the most about him. <laughs> <laughs> so i will start with the easy one. Um, so my hero is, is Diedrich, Diedrich Kepler. And Diedrich is a, a young man, 18, 19 years old, not that that matters. He's a, he's a small person in stature. You know, he's scrawny, thin, short, scruffy hair. Kind of picture one of your anime characters that maybe you might have grown up watching or something <laughs> like this. Um, but he's, you know, despite his somewhat unimpressive physical stature, he's a very intelligent person. Very, very cunning, very sharp, and gets very excited when he gets to learn, when he gets to share information. Diedrich is also a character who's, you know, despite his eagerness and and willingness to help, is someone who is also a little secretive, kind of keeps to himself, flies under the radar, Mm -hmm. wouldn't be the first person to talk in a conversation. So not exactly shy, but could come across that way. In terms of, of Diedrich's role in the campaign, Diedrich is arriving at Untergard, and Untergard is this, this small city, walled fortress, kind
1: of. Yeah, it's a, a city that may, main attraction is a bridge that uh, links the two parts of uh, the province. Mm-hmm.
0: And so he's arriving here, and Diedrich is a mail carrier. We talked a little bit about how Warhammer has some of these unconventional classes. Here, here we have one. Um, so he was a mail carrier, and he had a very important letter that he delivered to the captain of Untergaard. So he arrived, gave him this letter, and this letter allowed them to properly defend Untergaard from an invasion of, I guess, Beastmen beastmen Mm -hmm. who were lingering about. So he had these letters that he had to deliver, but after those were done, he continued to remain in Mm Untergaard. He met some of the other heroes, but for the most part, didn't interact with them. He remained by the captain's side, gave him tactical and uh, intellectual advice, and also became very close with, or not very close, he became as close as you might mm-hmm. become and acquainted. In uh, a week fa- or so. <laughs> yeah, Father Peter. Father Peter being a, a priest of Sigmar, one of the main religions in, in Middleland, in the Empire, I would yeah, say. Yeah,
1: it's the main one in the, in the whole empire. Yeah. And he kind of, you know,
0: exchanged knowledge, exchanged book smarts uh, with, with Father Peter.
1: One thing I really like about Diedrich is I created part of him, but one big part you brought is uh, one of his aspects is he's cautiously nervous, and I really like how you portray him. Yeah, um, I guess this is a good time to talk about
0: the aspects of our hero. Mm-hmm. I know we want to be as system agnostic as possible, mm-hmm. but in the Fate system, there's a, me- a mechanism where you create these aspects that help define who your hero is and allows you to play them uh, to, to role play them even better. And get rewarded for doing so. Uh, so, as you said, one of the aspects that I created for Diedrich was that he is cautiously nervous. And the reason why I really like this is because it is kind of like a double-edged sword. You know, he there are pros to it where he takes his time, he analyzes things, uh, kind of stays to the back, to the sidelines, and, and investigates in that way. Mm-hmm. But his nervousness is something that can get in his way. Uh, if he's, you know, trying to present to a larger group of people, if he's trying to convince people to do something, it, it adds this other dimension to his character, which I really liked and found it was kind of like a, a little bit of an acting challenge. You know, you got to play this, this little guy who, who kind of stutters a little bit and he's not always sure about himself and it's hard to convince other people yeah. to do something if you're doing that. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed having that as one of his aspects. Uh, other aspects were kind of also intellectually driven. He had a photographic memory which allowed him to really remember. Yeah, uh,
1: for the good and for the bad, right? So he yeah, could like yeah. something really um, scary or like a mental scar he would have. Even worse than other people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. almost so, like PTSD. Yeah, yeah. So he could like fl- have flashback all the time because he remembers perfectly. But also other times, oh, I forgot like what was written in that book. Well, you have photographic memory, so we have a mechanic for that because it's one of your aspects. So that was uh, that was handy. It came multiple times. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> did.
0: <laughs> and then there were a few others, but I don't think they were too too core to his. And obviously yeah, there's was, like
1: five of them, but I think three is usually enough to sum up like the, the core of the character. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, so that's Diedrich,
1: and I had a lot of fun playing as Diedrich.
0: We'll continue to learn about who he is and, and what mm-hmm. he, how he evolves over time. But that's and he kinda, did a lot.
1: And, and he absolutely yeah. did. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and he continues to, to evolve. He's a lot of fun to play, so mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and then there were a few other heroes. I'm not sure if we have time to talk about all of them, but we could definitely talk about at least one more.
1: Yes, Otis. Uh, Otis doesn't have a last name, actually. Uh, oh, yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> no, but well, he, he decided on, on one uh, later in the campaign. Just like Madonna. Yeah, yeah, he just, Otis. <laughs> you know, he's he's, far he's from that. Yeah, he's, um, so I, I created Otis to be pretty typical rogue, um, thief, um, kind of orphan, very, very uh, typical, not super original, but what was original about it, I think it was the struggle inside of him. So, uh, he's really scrappy, cunning, he was raised uh, basically by himself and with her, his sister uh, in the streets of the region of middleland going from one city to the other. Uh, he, knew, um, he knew Captain Schreider because he spent a lot of time in Untergard and stuff like that. So he's from where the heroes start. Um, but before the battle arrived, he left the town uh, to be secured basically because he didn't want to partake in the fight he didn't want to help contribute and that created a lot of tension in his character after that when he saw some of people he really liked die in that battle so it's Ot- Otis usually wears really dark clothes and covers his face and at the beginning of the campaign, doesn't trust really anybody. and doesn't want to doesn't want to help people if it might put him into the into the danger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, but that uh, again evolves a lot through um, the the beginning of the campaign. Uh, also, being from Untergard, he had a really close relationship with uh, Granny Mosher, uh, who's actually in charge of the orphans. So that's when he met her, is basically uh, his maternal figure. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, he didn't really have anyone to look up to. No, and she was always kind to him. Um, she, if, if he was really hungry, she would have him home in a bowl of soup or something. So um, she was really there for him uh, when he really counted. So he really, I won't say love, but he's really attached to her. hmm uh, he also met uh, Randall, who's another of our heroes. Um, that we'll talk more in detail uh, later, but that's also from the region. So they were kind of like childhood buddies, but like I said, Otis would leave for a long period of time sometimes, but they, they, they spent a decent amount of time together. In terms of uh, aspects, because we talked about aspects, I said like scrappy and uh, cunning, but also uh, he had an aspect that's like... Uh, if you're too slow to see me coming, you deserve to be robbed. So that really represents Otis very well, I think. Yeah, and I, I think that aspect kind of indicates
0: who Otis was before being a member of this party. Mm-hmm. And I think over time, we'll see that that aspect kind of plays less of a major impact on the way that his character is portrayed. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be definitely something to watch for as we as we move along in the story.
1: Yes, and we'll try to keep you updated on, like after certain events come up, uh, how did this affect the aspects or how the character evolved through the story? Mm Because that's, that's a big deal. Like for me, it's a a big part of the fun. So how did Diedrich perceive Otis at the beginning of the campaign?
0: That's an interesting question. Um, Diedrich, for the most part, didn't interact very much with Otis. Uh, Diedrich being a little bit more of an intellectual type, like I said, spent Mm. a lot of time with Father Peter, one of the priests of Sigmar, Mm. um, and, and really didn't really have much business going into the, into the orphanage or, Mm. or really spending time with someone who seemed a little bit shady, honestly, at first. And, and this is Diedrich speaking, of course, you know, Otis coming in and out of town, wearing a dark, dark outfit, kind of. Keeping to himself is something that Diedrich obviously could understand, but was a, was a little unsure of his motivations. Mm. Um, could he really trust someone like this in, in, a, in an environment where there's danger everywhere? Um, this was his first opinion. Yes. Um, you know, he, this may or may not have changed over time, but at first it was kind of, who's this guy? He seems a little shady,
1: and I think it was for most of the players, probably except uh, the the person playing Randall, who had like mm-hmm. in the backstory mm-hmm. a link to that guy and knew him on a more uh, profound level. But I think everyone else was like, "Why? Who's that guy? He just like Coming lurks in, in the shadows and doesn't talk much." And yeah. yeah.
0: I guess that's always the struggle with those kinds of rogue type.
1: Yeah, and I was going to say that was one of my worries as the game master. When I created that character, I was like, the loner type is a source of a lot of discussion on should you do that? Should you not do that? And to be honest, I think uh, I gave it to uh, the player that I knew would work with. Mm -hmm. Um, The pros and the cons of this. So I think that's another episode right there of Roleplay Chat. We can talk all about uh, loner characters. I know there's a lot of divergent opinions on this.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting topic of conversation. Um, but I think this little segue pushes us nicely into our next um, the next part of what we are hoping to do with our campaign diaries. is kind of like a Q&A where we ask each other questions. So essentially what we're hoping to do is kind of in the similar fashion as other more famous campaign diaries out there, have kind of a more introspective look at at what was going through our heads when we were playing the game. Mm -hmm. But I think the perspective that we bring that's kind of neat is that we get to talk to each other about these things. Me as a player in the campaign and Chris as the game master, we get to pick each other's brains Mm -hmm. and really see, did I like that as a player? How did I feel about that decision? Did he expect the actions I was going to take, etc., etc.? Obviously here, we're only talking about the heroes, so there may be not as much content to talk about. But we'll still try to, to dig in there and, uh, and get into the weeds.
1: Yeah, so one thing I was worried about when I started is actually doing those pre-made characters. I spent a lot of time doing them, I made them interesting for me, but then I have to give it to my friends. So I wanted to know, like, how did you like it? How did you like having a pre... Existing like you 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 weren't much part of the creating pro- creative process except some questions that I gave you hmm Um Honestly, I I didn't mind it
0: I, You put in a lot of effort and it was it was obvious that you put in a lot of effort and I, I think the reason I didn't mind it as much is because I still had the creative freedom to uh, make my character act the way I wanted to, with, within mm-hmm. a certain realm of, of, of realism, you know, I, y- you kind of gave me the more intellectual-based
1: yeah.
0: person, uh, but I took that personality and, and you kind of allowed me the flexibility to do what I wanted with him, mm-hmm. as long as it lived within those parameters. And I think that's why I liked it. Had you told me, like, no, you can't be nervous, or <laughs> that, that doesn't fit what the role your character has mm-hmm. in the in the greater scheme of things, then I might have been a little bit frustrated. Because,
1: uh, yeah, the cautiously nervous aspect was, was you who yeah. brought it. Like So basically, in terms of, again, the, we have five aspects. I think I filled one or maybe two for you, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the rest was up to the players.
0: Yeah, so I, I thought that that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could also appreciate the diversity that's guaranteed when a Game Master does this. You know, when a Game Master has... A camp, not a campaign, but a a cast of characters that they've already f- fabricated. Mm-hmm. I know that these characters are going to be unique enough that they can all stand out and have their own unique role, mm-hmm. which avoids doubling up, and everyone can still feel special in all of this mm-hmm. fancy <laughs> happy stuff. We're a party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's everything. Yeah. I don't think there was much more to that than, than that. I I know that sometimes. People uh, give the option to their heroes or give the players the option to choose the hero that they want to play and kind Mm -hmm. of like put them all out on the table and say, here are the five people, which ones do you want? Mm -hmm. Um, But then you don't get the opportunity to give secret stuff.
1: And that's the thing, right? I think most of the characters, and we're not talking about them right now, we're going to present the other characters. We're not giving in all the secrets, but most of them have little stuff. That will come up during the campaign. Little part of their backstory. Some I've put some they've filled in, um, mm-hmm. but um, when I created them, I wanted to have a, a secret pitch uh, with all my players. And I think I succeeded at that. Um, so that's why I didn't want to do the whole pitch to the, everybody and gives all this, give all their secret. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that makes. That, that can create a problem uh where if everybody knows everything everybody trusts everyone right yeah that's true so that's that's one of the thing at one point of the campaign we'll we'll talk about it more but uh cohesion was an issue not a big issue but like it was still it, it still worked but it was something i was concerned about and i think matthew was one of the players that was the most concern about having a cohesive uh, party. Yeah, yeah,
0: we can touch more about it later, I think, but it's definitely something that's important to mm-hmm. make. Your, your heroes have to work together. Mm-hmm. And not have to, but to a certain level of, of compatibility, <laughs> they, have, they should be working together. Yeah. Um, and then I guess I'll, I will have, have a question for you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question that I, that I thought up was, why did you choose the Warhammer universe? Uh, What was special about this? What do you like about the Warhammer universe? And did it help you in any way portray the campaign that you were trying to portray?
1: Yes, uh, the reason I chose Warhammer for me was a no-brainer because I was raised playing Warhammer 1st Edition, then I played 2nd Edition, 3rd and now 4th. I... 95% of the books I read are in the Warhammer universe. I probably know more history about the fake universe of Warhammer than real. <laughs> I know it's sad, but I don't know much about history, just to be clear. So, uh, so for me, it was a no-brainer. I've always played in the Warhammer universe, so that was almost a the cost for the players to play in my campaign. It was it was going to be a new lore that they probably didn't know much about. I know. Some people knew about 40K, which is a total different beast. Um, So for me, it wasn't a question. And my worry or my goal was to bring my friends in this world that I've played my whole life and have them have fun, right? Because they they came mostly from Dungeons & Dragons. That's high fantasy. So uh, me to come and be like, okay, you'll be rat catchers. And I didn't do that. You'll see through the characters that... I tried to make them D&D-ish, uh, with something close to the classes, uh, just so it's, the transition was a bit smoother. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, it was definitely one of my challenge to make this universe fun for everybody. Awesome. Well, everyone,
0: thanks, thanks for chiming in. Thanks for listening. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed our quick summary of the, these two heroes and the beginning of our campaign. We're going to continue this in a second part, where we talk about the other two heroes that are going to be joining um, this adventure.
1: Um, Umgrim and Randolb. And,
0: uh, we're going to continue, we're going to keep going, we're going to showcase the entire Blood and Betrayal storyline that Chris spent a lot of time working on, uh, and that me as a player and the other players, I can say, are thoroughly enjoying playing. So I hope you can continue to follow us along on this adventure. I'm not sure if you have anything to add, Chris?
1: No, I think uh, I'm really excited to see what's going to come up in the future because right now we just talked about characters, but with uh, there's going to be a lot of drama and tension and like the name says, blood and betrayal. So uh, You know what to expect. You know what to expect, yeah.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, I think that that's about everything for me, Chris. I think that's all, Matt. Let's call it a chat.